What's up, everybody? Welcome to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside. He's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Back, devil, back! <laughs> I think it's time to, you know, maybe let's just let the Conjuring franchise just, you know, peacefully rest. We don't need to resurrect it every few years. But it's so lucrative, right? I mean, it's, I know. It, you know, the power, it isn't the power of Christ that compels it. It's the power of <laughs> commerce. Uh, uh, yeah. It does well. Yeah. And it's cheap. I mean, you know what? Before we even go into, you know, reviews and talking. One about week it, I, continues, everyone yes, here on and, the. <laughs> and this is a perfect segue to that. Even though, you know, the the diminishing returns are varied with the conjuring insidious and saw franchises the guy has created a cottage industry with those three series and you know again you know quality aside you can't deny how successful you know and he's become and how hard that is for horror movies specifically and i think that that's something to kind of keep in mind to see you know where he started and where he is and you know all three of those franchises are still going in some form or another. So, you know, you have to give a little bit of, of credit there to James Wan for having kind of, you know, started not one, but three franchises. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it's incredibly impressive to be that successful in, you know, just one genre and to be able to kickstart, you know, I, insidious, I guess is the, the least out of the three, but they still made three movies out of it. Right. They or made four. five. Oh, five. <laughs> I didn't even know. Then, yeah, fuck me. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it's impressive. And uh, again, I, I would say the, the Conjuring, uh, weirdly, is the most successful, you know, WB shared universe. And obviously, the quality is a, a step above the Saw movies. Um, and again, I've probably only seen a couple of the Insidious movies, so I'm not even sure. But um, yeah, I just found like, uh, I don't know, like, it's such a mixed bag, like with the spinoffs and then this mainline franchise and this being the first movie not directed by Juan in that mainline trilogy, if I guess the actual Conjuring movies. Um, so yeah, today we are reviewing Michael Chavez's um, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Uh, horrible title, I will say. Like, just, Well, that is the true quote from I get Army it. Johnson. I just don't think it makes for a good title when you put The Conjuring colon right. the devil made me do it it's just a mouthful anyways it should be called satanic panic sure yeah 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 um released it's now playing in cinemas if they're open in your area or you can watch it on hbo max if you are in the united states of america or you can rent it for uh it's 25 dollars uh, i believe here in canada um or other places that it's on premium vod eric this is the eighth entry in the Conjuring it universe, sure is Matt. And <clears throat> I recently, <laughs> uh, no, no, I recently watched um, most of the movies. The only one I didn't finish was La Llorona, and um, which is directed by Michael Chavez. Michael, Ch- yeah. So um, I just, I, I got to that point. And I'm like, I don't even, I don't need to. But and that then film I does also feel like the like the one that they kind of like shoehorned into the franchise, where like there's just like one very loose connection with a priest who appears in both the Conjuring uh, movies and Annabelle that they brought into La Llorona, and um, it just kind of feels like it doesn't really even need to be a part of the the franchise. Right. Yeah. And I mean, this being a mainline entry, you have um, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga returning um, as Ed Lorraine Warren. 
those mm-hmm. folk heroes of paranormal investigations. <laughs> yeah, Eric will get into that. Um, Eric, if you want to kick it off, what is this Conjuring movie about? Yeah, so we're going from the 70s to the decade of excess. Uh, it, the story takes place in 1981. It is framed around the Arnie Johnson trial, the man who stabbed a, boardy, uh, a boarding collar uh sort of employee 22 times and then claimed that it was the devil that made him do it and sort of bringing uh you know the idea of church and state coming into play with this and that was his main defense as demonic possession so and lorraine warren who were already trying to exercise a (laughs) young child who's played by julian hillard who i think his parents need to take him to therapy because after 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 this after the haunting on hill house which he's also and he plays the younger version of luke and it's uh, the kid from wandavision right wandavision and then also in uh hp love lovecraft's uh the color out of space where he gets fused to jolie richardson's character in a thing like uh creation i'm just thinking to myself like this kid is going to have serious (laughs) problems growing up so the idea that you know this family that's already going through something arnie who is the boyfriend of the sister insists that the demon enter him and in doing so uh this demon that's (laughs) this demon that has been conjured up by an occultist uh possesses said arnie and in order to complete this curse, he needs to create a murder-suicide pack. And that's where you get the, you know, the demonic possession uh, defense coming into play. Uh, and Lorraine Warren are investigating not only um, this case, but a similar case in Massachusetts. And then on top of all that, uh, Ed... Uh, is suffering from some health problems and Lorraine is becoming even more clairvoyant uh, as time goes by. And so everything kind of culminates to, you know, finding this occultist and stopping whoever this person is before um, the curse is complete. Yeah. Um, Probably the least interesting of the Conjuring movies, probably the least scary of the Conjuring movies. What, you didn't think Blondie's Call Me, you know, done in in a slow version Um, was scary? I don't, I don't know, man. Like, again, I, I, I really do think this franchise is okay I, i like james Wan a lot like we talked about i mean i we just reviewed saw and i mean i'm you know unapologetically a saw fan which is much worse than the conjuring movie speaking of saw <laughs> sorry i have uh construction workers outside good, working don't. on a gas main so yeah, don't worry about it man um who gives a shit right <laughs> um I just found this to be like, um, it's more of a procedural than anything. And I'm just surprised at kind of the left turn it takes while it's still, you know, conjuring spirits and demonic possession and and different things like that. Like, I was just surprised at how kind of dull it was, because even with the problems with, you know, conjuring two being, you know, way too long or way too british um i just <laughs> i just i just like this i just found it was completely void of anything kind of interesting or what makes this franchise at least somewhat fun like i just watched annabelle comes home 
and which includes the Warrens, which kind of includes some of the, a lot of the stuff that has been featured in the franchise, even though most of the creatures are brand new. They're not things that we've seen before. But like that movie had a sense of fun to it that was just like, OK, we we understand that these movies we could either try to make terrifying or let's try to make like a throwback uh, haunted house babysitter, you know, parents go out kind of movie. And I, I really enjoyed that of it. And I think this is really missing like Juan's direction too because i just feel like it tries to do some of the same things that he did with the single take through the house and like which shows up in every movie i love the saw in the background it's the best um jigsaw's coming for i wish this was during our you know our uh spiral review not this but um yeah and ed and lorraine like i just it's it's funny now that patrick wilson and vera farmiga like this is what they will be remembered for is probably the conjuring universe because they've been in so many of these fucking how dare you patrick wilson is ocean master Um, oh yeah that too um but yeah i don't know i just i didn't hate the movie i just felt like i was void of any emotion like i was void of feeling scared i was void of feeling you know um, emotional attachment to you know ed and lorraine i was void of you know just interest uh, interest of this murder kind of mystery plot that they were sort of putting together with this uh, you know occultist and, and and things like that and i just i don't know the movie just kind of played out and i'm like did this really need this didn't feel like we needed this it doesn't really feel like it ties into any of the other movies and not saying that all of these are so interconnected they're all kind of very loosely you know part of the same universe because annabelle shows up here and there or valak um was the, the nun demon haunting uh lorraine but like when you kind of just put them in a different situation and it's not a haunted house movie it's more of this weird kind of procedural um mystery uh sort of mystery but not really mystery that i'm just kind of like i don't know like what why why are we doing this like why is this why matt that's a great question uh it it does feel kind of tired being the third in the headliner franchise and like if one wasn't going to come back like why why bother well you know what i don't mind Juan passing the torch down to somebody else but i wish that it was somebody that the guy who made the worst one bro and and, and again wasn't really even directly connected if you want to talk about something sort of being completely detached from the original series but to have a, a sense of playfulness with it i think that there's one scene in this movie that is kind of playful where you know the warrens are talking to our yep. defense attorney and that you know, is the one kind of moment of levity that is actually really genuinely funny and that kind of works because it, again it's taking a historical document a moment in 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 trial history but kind of going on out on the deep end in terms of historical fiction and i think that's where i have the biggest problem with this movie because you've had this series you know use the based on a true story phrase throughout the entire you know franchise but with this it's involving murder and it's involving somebody who you know was ple his whole case was based on demonic possession and yes you know arnie got five years for manslaughter but Ten years served five, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, but it, for all intents and purposes, I mean, the guy murdered somebody, stabbed them twenty two times. That's not really manslaughter, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and so that you know plea defense worked, and I think that it's also opening a Pandora's box in terms of saying, okay, well, let's give some legitimacy to you know this, and and 
okay, I, I don't want to, you know, fringe on anybody's own religious beliefs or, or, you know, but when it comes to a horror movie like this and it trying to be more grounded in mm-hmm. tone and be more self-serious and take itself too seriously, I find it's a little bit not offensive, but just kind of like it, it, it's it's teetering that line of being a little bit too you know, invested in that, like this, this could actually be why Arnie did what he did. It's like, well, no, the guy stabbed somebody 22 times, whether or not, if anything, he's just, yes, exactly. Like that's like the Twinkie defense with Dan White killing Harvey Milk. Like when the Twinkie defense, even though Dan White was, you know, convicted and went to jail for a certain amount of time, that defense also worked. And the Twinkie defense being, you know, like the reason why I, I, I killed two people was because i was eating junk food and it's like it's like that's bullshit you know i just had mcdonald's i do want to murder eric right now but and take a huge uh. dump right afterwards <laughs> yeah. um but but that's my problem with this movie like you can the, the warrens for all intents and purposes in reality were charlatans and yeah it's still not great what they were doing to other people and sort of defrauding them and taking them out of you know like money and and sort of you know telling you know families that your child is possessed by a demon when in all intents and purposes they either had you know schizophrenia or something like yeah. that and that's awful as well but when you involve murder and sort of right the rule of I law it saying. just kind yeah. of feels a little bit icky in a way where oh, it's, totally. it's like but if this movie had still done exactly what it's doing except be even more heightened in the way that like you know a Quentin Tarantino movie is historical fiction wise. Like if they had like a sequence where like, you know, the, uh, the, the exorcism or the destroying of, you know, the, the occult leaders sort of, sort of main sort of totem and and sanctuary was like, you know, Ghostbusters two in the courtroom scene in that, then I think that that would have been fine because it would have been so unreal. But they're taking themselves so seriously. seriously. Like it actually, so when they say based on a true story, they are treating it like it's based on a true story. Like Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards doesn't say based on a true story or like anytime he uses, you know, historical fiction, it's, he leads with the fiction. Yeah. A group of of Jewish soldiers didn't gun down Hitler in a movie theater. And people know that, but it's, it's okay because it's so outlandish and over the top that you can, you you just can't believe it. I mean, some people might just because, you know, people are people, but, but for the most part where this is taking the approach that, of a real life murder case. It's a possibility then, like, that this yeah. is true and that the Warrens were legitimate, you know, exorcists, paranormal investigators. And again, like this, you can look at other cases now and, 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 and other, you know, defenses and, it, yeah. and, and justify the same thing. I get what you're saying where the other movies are just spooky haunted houses where, you know, the, the body count isn't usually very high in, in the mainline conjuring movies. Cause it's usually just someone's, being tormented by a demon at their home and they usually you know nothing super serious happens in the other yeah they turn into a pretzel but then they're fine afterwards exactly yeah so i feel i get i because at first i was like well i don't know the other movies do that like i think it's almost just like the they say because they did exist and they did say that these things happened we don't well it's the it's the amityville horror um sort of scenario where you know, those first three films are based on a real life, you know, murder suicide and, and, you know, the, the sort of husband of that family claiming that he was hearing voices and going insane and people thinking, okay, well the house is haunted and, and sort of creating that again, it does the same thing, but it's, that movie is so goofy 
and over the top that right. you can't take it seriously where this almost because of the police procedural nature of it it's almost like okay well this actually could be a defense for arnie johnson in reality and and you know him getting well i mean it was ten, which yeah, is i guess ten why years they... and then getting out in five is ridiculous you know like and and thinking that that was an acceptable uh angle for his defense to to argue yeah i mean my argument back or just to play devil's advocate Dunkachino. Uh, as Eric sips from his Tim Hortons mug, I have McDonald's coffee, so we're just all trash today. Well, I'm, I'm actually um, just drinking water out of it because I oh, went for a 40-minute okay. walk. Thank oh, attaboy. Much. Love you. I had th- two um, McDonald's breakfast burritos and two hash browns. And You're <laughs> and a trash boy. I know I am. I don't care. After this is all over, maybe I'll – Take a nah, I won't. I, won't. <laughs> I, mean, I mean just – who? Whatever. what am I even talking about? Uh, my argument there was um, – I mean these movies have always you know, taken – Ed and Lorraine's writings and words and stories as truth. So for them to continue that with this case, which I mean, you can look it up is kind of what they claimed happened and what they argued is like, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's that different to me than the other ones, but I agree that it is maybe a bit more icky because it involved a real murder that happened to someone and that they did. I don't know, but I mean, that's what happened in the story of their version of it. And half the time they just go, okay, Ed and Lorraine, these were real people and these are real things that happened to them. So these are true stories. And like, um, obviously a lot of it is fiction, I mean, all of it is fiction, but like the surroundings of the heightened nature of their stories with, uh, I don't know, a lot of the different kind of, I mean, Valak and Annabelle and shit like that. I don't know if those were actually in their (laughs) stories or right. Well, Annabelle was, but Annabelle was like this kind of, I can't remember the name of the doll, but it actually looked more creepy because it was less creepy looking. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, like it's all... It's all hearsay in terms of like, you know, like it's it's their word against yours. And yeah, just because they were, you know, a part of each of these cases in some degree or another, um, the the sort of the English one being kind of the most loose in terms of their involvement. Um, it's just kind of it's just kind of strange because then you look at the movie as well. And we talked about the one scene that's kind of fun in terms of levity and sort of having the defense lawyer kind of signing with them well why don't they do that with everybody that's that's in you know yeah. law and order and pre- like you like then you start thinking like abstract like that where it's like oh okay, totally well- you can start picking this apart even like anna and annabelle comes home they're just like why would they just like leave their daughter home and have a babysitter with all these horrible things that could go wrong at any moment and like I don't know, like, but that's you, but that's the fun of that movie. That, because that's it, what I mean. Because like, it doesn't Gary, take itself uh, too seriously. Yeah, Gary Doberman knows that he, like you mentioned, he's doing. You know, while the parents are away, the kids will play, but they'll play with demonic forces. Yeah, and th- that movie makes an amazing double bill uh, with the '80s film uh, "The Gate" with Stephen Dorff, which is a Canadian shot film, but uh, was released internationally. Um, through Vestron Video. And that's kind of like a like that perfect example of sort of, you know, kids being tormented by demons and they're on their own. Or even like weirdly, like the best some of my favorite episodes of the real Ghostbusters, the cartoon series, were the ones where the Ghostbusters would have to go into the uh uh containment unit and, you know, like either get Slimer out because he got yeah. sucked in or have to, you know, bring back out a ghost. <laughs> and you have or something all the like different that. monsters. And you all have, that are in yeah, there, that they've yeah. caught in the last like couple yeah. of seasons and that was what annabelle comes home reminded me of and that's why i think it's the second best of the series 
and yeah. certainly the best of the Annabelle films because the other two movies. I mean, Annabelle creation. Has I like its creation quite a bit. Like creation, its... the two Annabelle movies are my this two and three are my favorite. But Conjuring one is movies. a flaming pile of. Uh, what of, do you have as your number one? Conjuring the first one? Conjuring. Yeah, but even yeah. that I'm not in love with. Like I think yeah. it's well made in terms of the you know the cinematography, the direction, but it's also very derivative of what it's doing um but it does like that movie does feel like a huge step up for james wan at in his career at that point because he had done you know insidious and saw and dead silence and and death sentence and they were all kind of schlocky kind of yeah sort of b movie you know gritty horror films and there's something wrong with that it's just this almost felt like the classiest thing that he had oh, done at absolutely. that point. I, I, and then I he goes agree. on to do, you know, Furious 7 and and Aquaman and, and has, you know, huge success with both of those. And again, I don't want to take anything away from him in terms of what he's built for himself. And I think that's wonderful. But at the same time, you know, the quality of these movies, I just wish that they were a little bit more fun. You know, yeah, that's Annabelle and that's why home is is is, is fun. And way. the first Conjuring is fun, right? And like, I think it loses its, uh, um, you know, appeal the more you watch it. Because now that I've seen or it two spirit. or three it times, loses yeah, its spirit or soul, um, yeah, <laughs> pick your, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, I just because the the most recent time I watched the first Conjuring movie, I was like, all right, I've seen this movie a few times now. Like, this is kind of losing it, uh, its soul. Um, I just and annabelle comes home had a ton of fun with didn't take itself too seriously and creation i kind of liked because of the setting and that and again i think i i don't want to speak for everyone who goes to see these movies but i i just have a feeling most people when they watch this are going to go like this doesn't feel like this isn't what i want i don't want jump scares that's what i mean they like the haunted house and the creature designs and the like the demon designs um better alliteration there should have went with that first but so the demon designs like that's what you go for are like exploring like a big house and like and the creepy ways you can scare someone with different ways like that like is kind of why I want to watch a conjuring movie is like a possession of a house or a demon that's haunting this family where this it's like, it's haunting this one dude, but it's, it's almost like they're jumping locations so often and investigating more than anything. Cause like the investigation part is like, I don't know in, in the other ones. Like I like those again for moments of levity when they bring the team in the cameraman, the other guys, and like they have the kind of team up moment to kind of try to, you know, go through this house and see what's happening to these people. Like that stuff is fun, but you don't really get any of that. It's no, like you have the of... one guy who's kind of like just there. Yeah. That's their assistant that really to go. Hey, remember the other movies? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, he's kind of helping out and he kind of gives, you know, a couple uh, important pivotal, you know, but most of the movie there. is them just jumping around and investigating with like a police officer or in a forest or at a, a priest's home or turning or skeptics like, into believers, yeah. you know, like, yeah, it, and stuff and like the that. Elvis thing is, is, is annoying. Like you mentioned like the, the, the last conjuring movie being way too long, which it is and self-indulgent and, yeah. and just, to, just it, that could have been an hour and a half and it would have been fine. But that movie being over two hours is egregious. <laughs> um, but at least it's kind of weird and memorable in some of its moments. Like when, you know, you have two minutes and a half dedicated to Patrick Wilson playing, you know, singing yeah. the Elvis cover where this, like, you know, they kind of play back to that a little bit with Elv- like an Elvis reference and playing suspicious minds. But to me, it almost feels like because this movie is so mundane, um, there's, there's just nothing to really 
talk about other than it being so kind of flat. You That's know, what I mean. Like least, I can't... At least part two is memorable because it is so self-indulgent. And you can pick out the different demon, like Valak in that I think is a big, like the nun is a huge What, what about thing, the crooked right? man? Like, the crooked man, like they have like ridiculous he kind sucks. of demons. <laughs> he sucks, but at least he's memorable, dude. Like there's yeah. nothing in this that's memorable. No, you I, have, I mean, like, even somebody who is kind of memorable as a presence like John Noble, who plays uh, sort of a key figure in in helping with the occultists that uh, both the Warrens go to. And he has his own sort of collection of, you know, possessed items and, and cults. Uh, uh, affilia and, and and things like that like he he's a really good actor in terms of creating a kind of offbeat creepy atmosphere like you watch yeah. him and like you've seen like he's obviously in the lord of the rings movies fringe. and fringe and he kind of almost is like the male version of charlotte rampling and you just kind of are like a little bit always kind of taken aback by him like you can't trust him like he he's also a perfect red herring in a lot of ways but like the, even the use of him in this movie kind of feels it, it, like it just is is almost pointless once the yeah. movie is done. Yeah, and I think that's just kind of sums up the whole movie. Is like I watched it and I didn't really feel anything. I was like I didn't hate it, but I'm also just like well, that's that's probably like, how a lot of people that were that were exercised by the Warrens felt after yeah. it was over. Like I didn't feel anything. Like what happened? Yeah. And I, I again, like I'm not going into these movies being like, ah, well, I really want to watch Ed and Lorraine for two hours, try to solve some sort of murder mystery. And I'm like, no, that's not why I'm watching this. It's just like and I don't think many people like it's not a horrible procedural movie. It's just totally fine. But like it's, generic. it's completely. Yeah, it's generic. It's completely void of scares. Like I don't think one time, like at least in the other Conjuring movies, depending on if you get scared or not at this stuff, like have some genuinely kind of like terrifying or creepy moments because of the demons and the way that you're kind of slowly building atmosphere this movie never once builds atmosphere and i think that's what james wan was so good at in those first two movies even if you don't love them is that a lot of the times it would build up in a mass to nothing but then that was something and i know that's kind of a you know a weird sentence but like this movie doesn't do that first part of trying to build to something it's just nothing throughout where it doesn't even try to build that atmosphere you might you could argue that that first scene with the the young kid like i mean most conjuring movies starts with some sort of possession or some sort of a fucked up event that's happening and i mean that's the formula through and through but like even that moment with the kid like i like the haunted waterbed and and stuff like that like uh, like <laughs> which again i also thought of a nightmare on elm street uh, right. uh part four where that like that movie does a better job with a waterbed than than this does um but yeah the opening sort of prologue and usually they're cold opens but this is actually connected to the the, the murder uh, yeah. and the trial um is probably the strongest bit but even the homages to the original exorcist with yeah. you know the father kind of exiting the, the taxi <laughs> just, it's yeah it's it's like have fun with this but do something different like they needed somebody that was really i think pat maybe passionate about what they were sort of covering and again i think because they sort of wanted to make this a more realistic sort of story or sort of focus it on you know the actual trial and the historical context of it they just they just forgot to enjoy themselves with the jump scares and maybe this would have been better you know theatrically just because of the you know the, the sound and 
and the picture and, and sort of, you know, characters jumping out and screaming at you, which can also be a little bit obnoxious after a while. But like watching this at home, I usually jump with these kind of things just because of the, the noise. This, I just sat there the whole time and I was like, yeah, that's it. That's all you got. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Um, yeah, I know you're usually a jumpy guy and I'm not really. And, but when a movie gets me, I go, ah, you got me. I like that. I like that. Drag and, me and, to hell being that perfect example. Oh yeah. And there are a couple other ones, even in uh, Annabelle comes home. I think there was a couple fun jump scares, but then that or the movie, purge election day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That one is fantastic. <laughs> that is a great jump scare. Um, but like, at least it, again, I keep going back to Annabelle comes home because I just watched it, but it is a completely like with both movies focusing on the Warrens in much in very different ways. Like I'd much less put, is more. Yeah. <laughs> less and is just, Warren. <laughs> yeah. Warren. And I just feel like that movie knows what it is. It's having fun with the material. And again, it's hard to have fun with this material because it is a real thing that happened and a real murder and someone was stabbed 20 two times and like it's hard to have fun with that so then i agree with you eric that like because you latched onto this story it's hard to really and it's only one murder and then it kind of deals with like you said uh the demon trying to make the guy commit suicide or you know it needed to sacrifice you know a man of faith a uh you know, an innocent person, right? Is that what? Yeah, and it, it has to do it in like three times yeah. in 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 pairs of two in order to uh, complete the ritual and and complete the yeah. curse and like even that stuff. Like the way that Patrick Wilson is used in this movie is is also kind of interesting yeah. in the sense that you look at Ed Warren at this time in his life. He's a heavy set man. He's having serious health problems. And, you know, they play on that with Patrick Wilson's performance in that, you know, he, he has heart troubles now and, you know, it's been caused partly by a, a you know, the demon, <laughs> the which demon. is ridiculous. Um, you know, it's demon caused attack. by McDonald's, not the demon. Let's be honest here. Um, How dare you? <laughs> so don't I'm, scare me. Just don't scare that, me like uh, that. Uh, it's the scariest thing, even more so than the movie. But when heart disease, but, but it's almost it's hard to believe with Patrick Wilson because you have this guy who looks pretty much like in good shape and they just give him like a couple extra sweaters to wear and make him a little more sweaty at times. And like there's this whole sort of like sort of little payoff with his pills that I felt was just so lame and 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 again like that's the other thing that we should also talk about it like this movie wants you to really care about the love story of the warrens yeah. and that they were you know high school sweethearts and it's just so lame and i'm not emotionally invested in them whatsoever and i don't know what it has anything to do with this really other than like oh she really they really care about each other so you know We've been it, dating since we were 17. Maybe there's it's one time to payoff see at the end, but even then all his heart trouble stuff just feels kind of thrown in and tacked on. Like doesn't even, I guess just because like you said, it was what he was dealing with at the time in real life. But yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's needed, especially when Patrick Wilson isn't a heavy set man in these or. Yeah. And, and again, uh, like, like not uh, saying uh, you have to yeah, be to, fat to, to have health have problems, disease, but you yeah. look at like, you know, the mm. interviews that Ed Warren and Lorraine, you know, Warren were giving and like you see like, OK, I understand why he was much older at this point, too. I don't think Patrick Wilson is as yeah. old as. Well, they have that other problem like the X-Men movies had and where they jump time so significantly between each movie that you're like first movies are in the 60s. They're in the 80s and they look exactly the same now. Well, even thinking oh. with with Annabelle Comes Home, because McKenna Grace plays the younger version of their their daughter. And then in this version, you have 
someone else. I, I can't remember the name of the actress, but oh, she's barely in it. Here um playing that version and you're kind of thinking oh like especially if you just you, you know you just watched it and you're like oh well like how like that's how much time has gone by. well because you forget that um uh sterling jaren's i believe good name uh, no wait no that's judy no judy warren yeah no what's their daughter's name i think it's i think it's judy oh because it would only okay. be the one other warren right yeah but then they said they she played her in conjuring one and two this wouldn't be the same i guess it would be actually because the first conjuring was 2013 where now it's almost 10 years later so she probably would have been the right age now no wait because in the first conjuring she was super young wasn't she yeah she was a kid then because remember they like leave her and like they they have to like how old somebody oh yeah because they're saying she's 16 now so maybe she did play her in this movie and then, but she was already like 11 or 12. Like how old was McKenna Grace in Annabelle comes home? We're probably overthinking this. Cause who cares? She's in like two seconds of this movie, but she played her in all three conjuring movies. Yeah. Um, but okay. So the, the continuity time, here might be a little, the time doesn't make sense. Off. Yeah. The, the timeline doesn't really make sense to me there. Um, but whatever. Um, Oh God, I'm clicking on a whole bunch of crap. I don't even know what I'm doing now. Um, yeah. Anyways, I just think the movie's completely void of, um, uh, of any scares, which is really ultimately, I think what you're going to a conjure, like no one's going, going, Oh, I'm really interested in this case. And like, <laughs> yeah. like you're wanting to know what happened. Like, no, you're well, going, this, this movie's going to, bl- like, this, this movie's going to change people's minds about, you know, this, this murder trial. And we're going to finally, you know, Arnie's going to get the justice that he deserves. And it's like, no, like, no one's going for that. And even in the previous two movies, even if they're, they're based on, quote unquote real events and real stories but no one's going oh i'm really interested in that family and their story no it's like i want to see fucking terrifying shit happen i want to like, see a darth ball like, ghost yeah play the piano <laughs> yeah exactly and insidious and you don't get any of that here and even the nun and like the nun feels like a weird like it's not very scary either but there's something fun about the nun and i i mean i don't think it's great fun with nuns but like i don't know like i had fun watching the nun i had fun the nun watching... is horrible but there's something schlocky about yes. how bad it is and how again like that is also very much like, shoehorned in because silly like with it's like you know portal to fucking whatever and french like, canadians all the, yeah it's all just... the valak stuff and the way that it tries to tie into the other conjuring movies by some of the one stuff, lines like... with with uh damien bashir yes. saying like, you know, like the guy saying oh wow that's that's you know holy shit the holiest you know like yeah stuff like, like that. that it felt like Still a, a shitty movie, movie kind of but but it but at, at least, least it's it kinda... kind of trashy in a fun yeah. kind of way where I almost wish that this was trashy. Like if this was trashy and it was still doing, you know, the historical fiction thing, I think I would have been less opposed to, you know, the idea of the Warrens being these, again, folk hero type characters that come in and, you know, save the day. And I almost kind of laughed at one point when like, you know, like if this is true, like you you're supposed to feel sympathy for Arnie in the sense that, 
you know, he's going to go to jail no matter what. And it's, and it's like, uh, well, I guess you, I mean, you didn't really actually do anything. It wasn't you at all, but you still got to pay for what the ghost did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just stupid. And I don't know, like I, I'm all for a franchise kind of going, all right, let's try to do something different now with the third installment. Like let's do a different sort of sub genre within horror and stuff like that. And here they go, Oh, let's do a procedural. And then you're like, uh, I don't think that's what we wanted guys. Like, I just don't I, save I don't know. that for Saw. I'm like, I can't yeah, believe exactly. I like Spiral from the book of Saw more than a Conjuring movie. <laughs> Again, it works more, it's more fun. Like, even if it's stupid, I think it's also it's more like, surreal just because, again, yeah. you think, like, oh, you have people like Chris Rock and Samuel Jackson in a Saw movie where this, like, there is a, there's already a certain prestigious element to having the actors that you have in it and you know the the budget that you have to work with and that this is already very much an established franchise that's still going and hasn't been rebooted really as of yet so you know maybe those I feel like they're going to keep different. making these movies until like everyone's dead <laughs> well i mean they they can to a certain degree but if they're falling some historical sure. reference ed Whenever dies i think stop. in in like the late 80s early 90s but you know that's probably the next movie like he'll die like patrick wilson will die in yeah. the next movie because whichever lorraine case lorraine died like i think it was like right after the second annabelle one. comes home no it was she oh, it has was, a oh, it was, okay. it was 2019 because so they have a dedi- they have a dedicated to lorraine warren see that would end. actually make for an interesting film but then then you you open the door of being very meta where it's like you could have like one of these films be you know lorraine on after set, the first conjuring, after the yeah. first conjuring see movie. that's fun just completely jump the shark at that point do the meta kind yeah, of yeah which thing. would be a new like, nightmare where like maybe yeah. she's on the set of one of the conjuring movies that are now possessed and like she has to like i love that case. and i think we're gonna get there dude if they're gonna follow any other horror franchise and make 47 of these movies and like um eventually i think the next one whatever case is closest to when Ed dies is probably what you're going to get in the next movie. If they continue with Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson. And then I like what you're saying is if you do a solo one with just Vera, Vera Farmiga, although you could have Patrick Wilson cause he could be a fucking demon or ghost now haunting her. Yeah. He shit. could be the, he could be um, the Obi-Wan ghost. Yeah. You know, the force ghost of, <laughs> yeah. of the conjuring universe. <laughs> and then I love your idea of like during the first conjuring movies, something fucked up and like spooky happens. Well, that's too. what like, happens in a new nightmare, yeah. right? which i don't yeah. love that movie but but yeah. the idea is interesting that you know like a real freddy doesn't want another freddy krueger movie to happen so he so starts the real demons the hate that you're the real demons hate that they're you're showcasing them in a movie or like the real annabelle yeah. or something and that's what you could call it and the like... conjuring the real demons <laughs> yeah. like new um, mutants but the real demons or maybe it's an annabelle movie right because maybe that's where you can be more fun or silly with it like because it seems like the annabelle franchise is more you know, playful. Um, well, it's more loose and, then, and the same thing yeah. with, with the nun. And I guess to a certain, although La Llorona takes itself seriously because of the, the mythology of, you know, Spanish culture, which I think it should, but there, there's another great La Llorona movie that you can check out on, on shutter, which deals with the politics of, you know, 1970s genocide. And, and I think that that's a more interesting movie and well done in terms of tonally taking itself seriously because it earns the jump scares, but also, just the idea of, of what it's doing where the curse of La Llorona is just kind of bland. And, and so is this, and so is conjuring two for the most part because of its length, yeah. but like at least at the conjuring two has, has some, some memorable, memorable weird yeah. moments that you can kind of take away that are dumb, but at least they're, 
like if they make a crooked man movie which they they've been threatening to do yeah i don't know if they're going to anymore but if they do like i mean that's another thing where it's like okay well this movie's probably also going to be horrible but at least like you know they can do whatever with it they can have fun with it and and now with the these movies with the conjuring films because they are sticking to the cases that the warrens worked on to some degree or were a part of they have to reference those things, but they could still do it in a way that is just goofy and over the top. They don't need to be self-serious and sort of focus on, you know, the tropes that police procedurals have or investigative procedurals have. It, it, it doesn't need to be that. It just needs to be, like you said, a haunted house thrill ride for people to go see in a movie theater at home on a Friday night and be entertained yeah. for a couple yeah. of hours. It doesn't need to be anything more. And this movie tries to be something a little bit more and it fails on most levels. Dead Silence it. is a more yeah. entertaining film than this. And Dead Silence is crap. I mean, yeah. Dead Silence has Donnie Wahlberg with an electric shaver, you know, interrogating the no, main I character and i'm just thinking like i i will never forget that moment it's not a great movie and the twists are ridiculous because of the expectations of the saw movies and and you know james wan and lee wanell at the time but that weird little like character beat like i won't forget it and there's nothing in this film that i'll remember by the end of the year and then like this even week. going back <laughs> And looking at like, you know, these eight films and, yeah. you know, where we are now with them, like it's, I it's think not, it's with, it's, it's not like a with, bad movie. It's yeah. just bad because it's boring. Exactly. You, that's a perfect way to end it, Eric. So I'm going to give the movie a 2.5. I don't think it's abysmal, but, um, and I think it's almost perfectly fine. And maybe if you go in just understanding that it's a pretty basic, like police you know possession procedural movie then maybe you'll be fine with it but i think most people are going to go in going oh another conjuring movie it's going to be a haunted house spook fest um it's not so uh 2.5 out of 5 it's it's not great but uh, it's not very good um but it's not horrible i'm gonna give it a two that's fair. That's the classic Eric. I didn't like it, but I don't really have strong opinions on it. Yeah. And I love horror movies and I love yeah. genre films and and like this it's it, again James Wan's always a, been a strange one where it's like I want to like him more than I do, but I appreciate everything he has contributed because he's been successful and it works, right? Yeah. yeah, and horror like, you know, it's it's even when it's not good and it's successful, it feels weirdly like a win for the mainstream side of things because people just don't, you know, value the genre as much as, as everything else. So and look at just how successful this entire universe has been for them. Like it's, it's been better than the DC universe. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it literally like, look what universal was trying to do with the dark universe, you know? Yeah. And, and they couldn't do that with Tom Cruise. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to see some conjuring, like not to get into theme park stuff because Warner Brothers does Warner Brothers stuff. I guess you have Harry Potter World at uh, Universal. Drink so some butter to, beer with Valley. You got to Yeah. But I would love a conjuring ride at one of those theme parks. Like, I think it'd be a yeah, lot of fun. I mean, they could do that, like the Haunted Mansion with Disney, right? Yeah. Where, but like, doing like an, a more adult focused one of that, right? Where it's like legitimately hella scary. But like, yeah, um, after Patrick Wilson leaves the series, he can be like your tour guide. <laughs> My favorite, we'll get into theme. We'll go into theme parks on um, 
the main show sometime because I love the Twister ride was so bad at Universal, but I loved it because Bill Paxton comes out and Helen Hunt and they just talk to you while you're waiting in line. Yeah, That's I remember you always told thing. me the way that, that Bill Paxton. Hi, I'm is. Bill Paxton. <laughs> and he's like, and I'm Helen Hunt. And they just go into this thing and it's so funny and the ride's terrible, but it's amazing. But it's gone now. So RIP Twister ride at Universal Studios. Well, also RIP Bill uh, Paxton. So. Yeah, it, I'm yes, that's now way to bring it down, man. But maybe he'll turn up as a demon one time in the Conjuring universe. Who knows? Um, that was probably in poor taste. I'm sorry. I really love Bill Paxton. Who so doesn't? Just, we, we miss uh, him. We miss yeah, him. I do. Game over, man. Um, all right, guys. Uh, thank you for listening to 45 minutes on the Conjuring. The devil made me do it. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, we got other reviews that we'd love for you guys to check out right now. Uh, we got reviews up for uh, Cruella, uh, Master of None Season 3, Army of the Dead. Um, Spiral. Those Wish Me Dead, Spiral. Thank you, Eric. Our most recent horror review for one week. Um, and many, many more. So please go check out everything right here on Untitled Movie Reviews. Uh, like I just mentioned, we have another podcast called the Untitled Movie Podcast uh, that we would love for you guys to go subscribe to. That's a separate channel. It's our flagship show where Eric and I, for you know, one and a half to two and a half hours every other week, kind of get together. Oh, the dogs are see they see a demon. They see a demon, Eric. Um, they see a demon every twenty minutes. Yeah, fair. Um, uh, our newest episode uh, will be up uh, next week where we preview the Tribeca Film Festival as well as other things. We'll so, talk about Can as well. Um, a Can lineup, uh, festival season's kind of beginning already. Um, TIFF is, will be here before you know it and whatever that's going to be this year. I think it'll be kind of normal this year. We'll see. Or a mix of normal. Um so please go check that out. Eric and I will be covering the Tribeca Film Festival starting next uh, Friday, uh, June the 11th. So uh, much like our other festivals that we've covered, we have confirmed this time that we'll be able to watch stuff digitally from Canada. Because if you guys follow us, South by Southwest got kind of mixed up because most of the titles weren't available to us here. So uh, we didn't have much coverage uh, of I've individual conf- releases uh, movies, where we kind of yeah. did, you know, like a couple on uh, the we did a roundup. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. And then uh, so we will have individual reviews and we'll do the whole festival kind of thing. Um, so that'll be starting next Friday. A lot of good stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but if you want to follow everything we're doing, all of our updates, ever, uh, where to find all of our socials, go follow us on Letterboxd. And if you're not on Letterboxd, you should be on Letterboxd. Uh, we have a Letterboxd HQ, which is Untitled Podcast, where we post all of our reviews um all of our uh drafts all of our ratings all of our updates like i wrote an update about tribeca i'm gonna drop some of eric's rogers reviews on there um we should put our conjuring rankings on there yeah we'll do a conjuring ranking list each of us and we'll throw that up on there so like we're just doing fun different things and i think it's like a a a one-stop shop for everything untitled movie podcast so please go check that out it's untitled podcasts on letterboxd we're untitled underscore cast on all those other social medias i'm at matt Rohrbeck on all of the social medias and uh tossing it over to eric yeah, I just also want to quickly say that we also might have something special coming up, but we won't announce it just yet. Conversations might be coming back. Yeah. Oh, yeah, in a big way. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm Eric Martin. You can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. Okay, imagine Force Ghost Patrick Wilson, but for the remastered versions, we replace him with Hayden Christensen. Yeah, I love it. That's the devil! <laughs> <laughs>